Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise the Lord. I know God's got some good things for you today. And I see a bright, bright future for you. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, let's take our Bibles and go to Mark chapter 4. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings. And as we do, I want to just cover a little bit of the area of when is your harvest time. Okay, so in many ways, Jesus will answer that for us here, uh, beginning in Mark 4, verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by day, excuse me, sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how for the earth yields crops by itself. First, the blade, then the head, after that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So when the grain ripens, that's the time for the harvest. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The question of when am I due for harvest has long remained a question in the hearts of many of God's people. And sometimes I have seen that believers think that their due season is when they have a need. So when there's a need, they think, well, now it's time for harvest. But it doesn't actually work like that. Your due season is when your cloud is full. And then that is when your rain will surely fall. Now, in our last Bible study together last Wednesday, I asked the question, why is there no rain in the desert? Now, it is, of course, possible for just maybe a little bit of rain uh, during maybe one small short window of the year, but some deserts get absolutely no rain ever. So why is there no rain in the desert? Well, the answer is because there is no evaporation going up there in the desert. So if nothing is going up for you in the area of tithe and offerings, then it is possible to end up having a desert type financial destiny where nothing is coming down for you. Mm -mm. I'm talking about provision and divine supply. Let's go over uh, for a moment to Galatians chapter six, verse nine. Paul, the apostle tells us, and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Praise God. My friends, you need to stay on course until your cloud is full and don't go ahead of what Paul calls due season. In other words, if you see maybe a neighbor remodeling his house and he's doing a full remodel, interior, exterior, and maybe doing even an extra expansion. Don't think, well, he's doing it. I'm going to do it too. Well, it could be that maybe that person is your Christian neighbor, and maybe it's their due season. 
And maybe they were able to do that with no strain and they can just, you know, everything's working well for them. And it could be that your due season is very, very soon, but don't go ahead of it and then put yourself in pressure or cause and create unnecessary stress in your life. Praise the Lord. In the natural realm, if you impatiently go out and uproot your natural seed in the ground in search of a harvest, you're only going to probably just pull up some roots. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe if it's like a potato or a peanut, maybe there is a little bit of formation, but if it is a, a vegetable that's got to grow upwards and it hasn't even broken the soil yet, no, there's, there's not going to be anything there for you. So it's the same thing with your financial seed, leave the seed to mature. And I feel so strongly for so many of you that your due season is very near. I really believe that these three months that we're in right now, uh, this one and the two coming up, there will be many things breaking forth for you that you will see off of previous seed sown, maybe uh, even from last year uh, or maybe from this year, but you're going to see that these three months will really be productive for you. So why does God appoint a due season? And this is something that we should consider. The reason is because that, well, let me say, first of all, that I should probably preface this answer by saying that this is an area of God that not all believers understand and God, his character, his nature or who he is, it's perfect, but it's so multifaceted. It's like a beautiful diamond that has facets going all around. But this area of due season that God appoints is, and why he does this is actually not taught that often. But uh, for a great example of a scripture that explains it, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Wow. <laughs> so God needs to verify and check and see what is in your heart, whether the driving motive in your heart is for God or it's for money. Because some, some Christians can actually technically say the right thing. They could say this is for God and this is for God's kingdom, but there could be something that only God can see uh, where he realizes no, they're still not at a place yet. They, they still have that love uh, area that they, they need to work on. So God wants to be satisfied that you are worthy of the blessings that he is bringing your way. So really, there's no point for God to bless you when he's not sure of what you'll do with the blessing. Pastor Stephen I'll give the uh, lion's share to the Lord. <laughs> well, you, you know, people can say really uh, uh, almost like heroic, virtuous things uh, in these areas. But God has his spiritual x-ray machine. And he also has a track record. He knows what the check stubs say. He knows 
the tithing record or the non-existing tithing record. God knows all of these things. Praise the Lord. So God proves you first so that wealth will not wreck you. Wealth will wreck a believer who does not have his heart firmly established in the Lord. Now we know across the board that even in the natural dealing primarily with unbelievers, that those who win the lottery, big, big number lotteries within two or three years, they've lost all of it. Now we did have a, have a situation. This was maybe like 12 years ago where a Christian won a really, really big lottery. I think it was like a hundred million dollar lottery. And I actually heard one pastor say, now that's what we've been looking for, for a Christian to start to win these lotteries. That, that is a sign of the wealth of the wicked being transferred. I thought, no, no, no. That is a believer who is deceived and he won the lottery. And because it is just luck and chance. That's all it is. And he happened to win it. And you know what? Even though that he up to that time had been a Christian and was a churchgoer and stuff like that, it only took about two years and he was divorced. Most of the money was gone and his walk with God just totally imploded. My friends stay away from the uh, one arm bandit the slot machine. Look, I used to live and minister in the city of lost wages. Excuse me, Las Vegas, <laughs> a city that is still dear to my heart. But uh, hey, you see the limelight and you see the glitter and you see the beautiful casinos. There's a reason they're so beautiful. And, you know, I know when Steve Wynn built uh, a, a new casino at that time, when he built it a few years back, it cost one billion dollars to build it. Did you know that within the first year after it had been opened, it paid off the entire mortgage? Well, how did it do that, Pastor Stephen? It's the city of lost wages. And it's the city of people that come. And I know some come, uh, maybe then they're using recreational money. But the reality is you might as get you might as well get ready to lose it. And if it's recreational, yeah, they're happy to take it because all of the odds are stacked against you. That's why the casinos are so uh, opulent and beautiful. And that's why the buffets can be so cheap. They want you to eat there because you've got to walk through the casino to get there. The, the, the you know, slot machines are in the airport. They're everywhere. Praise God. Aren't you glad that? Your prosperity is not based on something as unfair as luck and chance. Aren't you so thankful to God that he makes everything fair, that if you come over on the covenant, you can walk in the blessing and you don't have to have the roller coaster ride that these people over here and only a few win and those that win usually don't keep it. Oh, my goodness, praise God. So God proves you first so that the wealth will not wreck you. The power to get wealth is released after you pass the test. Can I say that? Because there's a lot of weight on that little statement. The power to get wealth is released after you pass the test. I have a minister friend. He was going down the prayer line praying for people, taking prayer requests, you know, and ministering in the spirit. He got the one woman and he said, what, what would you, what would you like prayer for? 
She said, well, I've, I've lost my business. Uh, we had an economic downturn and uh, had a lot of credit out, was making a lot of money, uh, but I've lost everything. Well, everybody in that conference knew who she was. She was a former billionaire, not, not millionaire. She was a billionaire. And the very, by very fact that she was a billionaire, she had, she had spending money in the hundreds of millions. And her, this was her prayer request. Please pray, man of God, that God would restore my business and my fortune and, and, my, and my fortunes, my wealth. And then when he does, then I'll, then I'll give to God. She had never given to God and she was a supposed Christian. And my friend told her, he said, you're still deceived. You're still deceived. I will not pray that for you. Mm, Pastor Stephen, that's mean. Watch out. Watch out. Sometimes what you might think is rude is actually a man of God in the spirit Dealing with the person with the supernatural gifts of the spirit. Mm -mm. Not everybody is genuine, sugar-coated and sweet and sincere before God and as pure as the angels in the driven snow on the heaven's mountain peaks. Not, not in your life. <laughs> and you know that. Praise God. The power to get wealth is released after you pass the test. I really do believe so many of you, you're so close to your due season. This is why waiting is a compulsory course in God's school of prosperity. Look at this briefly. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. There's a reason that minister that told her, you're, you're still deceived. If you, had, if you got it all back, you still wouldn't do anything. I've, all, I've always called him the hammer. He's not afraid to drop the hammer on anything. <laughs> One of the strongest preachers I know. He has some kind of a rare disease where he has no respect for what people think about him. <laughs> well, how dare you say that to me? Uh, you're, he, you're, he's a perfect guy to do that. How, but Pastor Stephen, doesn't he know he just did that to a, to a governor, to a mayor, to a political? He, he has no care. <laughs> Woo, praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. First uh, Timothy chapter three, verse 10. But let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. So deacons in the house of God, before they were appointed into that official position and consecrated into that position, they have to serve and do what? Prove themselves. Prove themselves loyal to the Lord. Prove themselves loyal to uh, their commitment to uh, whatever it is. Vacuum the, the carpet. Uh, greet people in the parking lot. Uh, take the trash out after everybody leaves and on and on it goes. Praise God. Let them serve. Let them be tested first. When God sees that he has your full allegiance, then provisions, not a problem. It will begin to flow. But if he sees that you're a lover of money, a lover of position, a lover of status, he'll keep wealth from you so that it won't destroy you. That's not being mean. That's actually the love and mercy of God. Mm -mm. One more scripture on this. One more scripture. Then we're going to bring the tithes and offerings in. Job chapter 23, verse 10. Job said, 
But he, God, knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Praise God. God is never late. Anytime he comes is always the best time. He is always right on time. So if you're still waiting, wait patiently because he's going to show up and your due season will come right on time. In the interim, keep worshiping the Lord. Keep filling your cloud up. Keep praising God. God always keeps his word. That's why in Galatians 6, Paul's, Paul said, God is not mocked. He's going to come through. He'll do it. But hang in there because you want to be around for it because it's going to be delicious. It's going to be, it's going to be, a, I'm even getting the word extravagant. Delicious. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You'll say, yep, yep, God's word's working for me. Woo, praise God. But you've got to hang in there. Father, bless your people. I thank you. They are approaching their due season. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Bless their giving. Honor their, their finances. Take them to the next level that you have planned and prepared for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Now, for those of you that are mailing in your tithes and your offerings, and the tithe is 10% of your income as instructed by the Lord, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654 is the zip code. Now, if you want to bring it in online, it's very safe, very secure, as long as you have internet. You can bring it in from anywhere in the world, okay? Go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. Look at the top. There's a header. It says, Give Online. Click that, and it gives you uh, the option, Tithes and Offering, okay? Click that. It takes you to the giving page. And then there's an area that, uh, click that giving area there, and it says fund, F-U-N-D, and there's the little drop-down menu. Click the tithe. You want to sow extra seed. You want to give an offering, which I encourage you to do that. Boom. Click that. There's different ones, different projects we're working on. And it is brought into the storehouse. And the moment you send it, in, in a sense, you put it in the hands of Jesus, who is still receiving tithes and offerings today. Praise God. Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Now, today, I want to talk along the lines of why the supernatural is so controversial. And I think some of this has to do with the, um, the widespread usage now of social media, where you can have a full-grown man who doesn't have a job living in his mother's basement and he's 42 years old, but he's, he's gotten on social media and uh, he's presenting himself as a biblical expert. And the truth is uh, he hasn't accomplished anything in life, but sometimes people create these platforms while the reality is, is that they're very shallow and they're very fake in real life. So uh, when you have all of these voices that are going on out there, it can, it can bring some confusion to young believers. Uh, but anytime there's also genuine controversy is going to swirl because the enemy will do everything he can 
to try to uh, impede a true work or a true move of the Holy Spirit. Now, the enemy can be overcome in every situation, praise God, but there will be always those that would be critics that would not understand what God is doing. And they didn't understand what Jesus was doing. He was greatly criticized. And so, because the glory is going to be increasing in the church and in your life, I want you to understand how the nature of this works so that you can enjoy all that God has for you. And remember this, anything that God does in your life or that God tells you to do, you never, ever have to apologize for it. Uh, Jesus is not the person that many, uh, many pastors would present him to be as this individual going around apologizing for everything said, Oh, I'm so sorry about that. I didn't mean to upset anybody. No, he was on assignment. And so you're with him or you need to get, get into that flow with him because he is the head of the church. He is the one who's right. And you don't want anything to trip you up. Let's pray. Heavenly father, as we talk about the, supernatural controversial elements that surround the miraculous that surround the authentic moving of your spirit. We pray for discernment and we pray for wisdom and we thank you father God for your kingdom moving forward and the great things that you are doing now amongst your people in the earth in Jesus name we pray and we all say amen. Amen. You know, I think back about when the word of faith movement began to break forth and God just uh, by the Holy Spirit swept through the church. I'm talking even globally with such an intense hunger to study the Bible, unlike anything that had ever been seen before in church history. And you think about many of those that were used by the Lord in that era. You had, you had primarily Kenneth Hagin, you had uh, other ministers that came along, uh, like uh, Charles Caps. You had uh, Dr. Jerry Savelle, uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland, and many, many uh, ministers that God uh, was using, and of course, some that He is still greatly working through today. But when the word of faith began to go forth, of course, for some it was new, and you had others that just weren't quite sure about it. And I remember that there were some church leaders in Norway and uh, they weren't quite sure about it. Uh, so they said, can you send us some representatives from America, uh, from, uh, uh, you know, Oklahoma and send them to Norway and have them present the biblical truths of the word of faith teaching and why we should get in on this. Because we, we think we should. Well, they sent two of their very best teachers. Those teachers flew all the way to Norway, presented the message. There was joy, and, you know, uh, the people could see it. The people could catch this. This is why everybody's excited. But you know what? The leaders decided. They decided, no, we don't want this. Do you know, do you know why? 
Pastor Stephen, yes. Tell me what their scriptural basis was for saying no to it. Oh, it had nothing to do with scriptural basis. The reason the leaders of this very large Christian uh, organization that oversaw many, many churches said no to it was because of the shoes that the two men from Oklahoma wore when they went to Norway. They were wearing dress shoes. And those religious men thought, well, if they were of God, they wouldn't be wearing shoes that are that nice. And they rejected the whole message and missed the whole movement. <laughs> uh, Pastor Stephen, that's really silly. Yes, but the supernatural, the moving of the Holy Spirit is controversial. Some are in, some are out. Some are not sure what the truth really is. Praise God. So let's talk about some of these things, and you'll see why that we do have to make wisely informed decisions. Praise the Lord. And I believe with all of my heart, you'll get it right. Mm -mm. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. This is interesting because we talked about this last Sunday. But I want, I want to draw out further something here that is very interesting, especially when it begins to happen to you. Okay, everything can change when it becomes personal, and that's where we're going. Verse 1, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles or tents, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Praise God. Now we don't have a time machine. Uh, this is interesting. Side note. Is it possible to travel through time? forward or backwards? The answer is yes and no. No from a perspective of natural, you know, like physical uh, material type where you, you're actually doing this in a physical format. But yes, by the Holy Spirit, but only as a spectator. Only as a spectator. So, Let's say that we could put you in a time machine right, right now, and we could take you back in time and put you on that mountain on the night that this transfiguration was taking place. What if I got you a lawn chair and even had a glass of iced tea for you so you could sit back and watch the whole thing? Praise the Lord. Okay. You'd be like, all right, Pastor Stephen. Boom, do it. Okay, so I put you in the machine, boom, I send you, boom, and you're there. You're sitting in your lawn chair. You see Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And then you see the Lord begin to become transfigured. He gets, I mean, just like light pouring out of him in this phenomenal spiritual experience. But would you see Moses and Elijah appear? And start talking to Jesus? Well, we know Peter, James, and John saw that happen. 
they actually saw Peter, they, all three of those men and, and Jesus. So there's actually four men, but Peter, Peter, James, and John, both, all three of them, they all saw Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah. Praise God. So what does that mean? It means that those three plus Jesus, those four all were having an open vision at the same time. Pastor Stephen, could I have seen that? Not if you were not in the spirit and not if you were not having the gift of discerning of spirits in operation, which is the gift mentioned by Paul in first Corinthians chapter 12, that happens in the life of anybody that has any type of genuine visionary experience, whether it's an open vision, whether it's a trance, whether it's a spiritual vision, any type of vision means that that gift discerning of spirits is operating in your life at that moment. And if that gift is not operating, even though you're now on the mountain, you're sitting in the lawn chair and you're watching this whole thing. If that gift is not kicked in and operating in you, all you would see was Jesus. Now you could still see Peter, James, and John, but you would see Jesus appearing to talk to somebody who's not standing there. And you think, what's he doing? Talking to somebody invisible? <laughs> well, Pastor Stephen, how can you prove this? By the scripture. Look at verse 9. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one. Did you catch that? Listen again. He said, Tell the vision. Oh, so that experience that we call the Mount of Transfiguration experience, that was, that, that was centered around a vision? Yes. Do you see why that if you were there, but discerning the spirits was not operating in you, and you were not in that open vision with them, and you could, therefore could not see Moses and Elijah? Now, do you see why for a moment why the supernatural can become controversial. Well, I didn't see him talking to anybody. I'm sure you didn't. You probably never pray. You probably never had a vision in your life. You probably don't even really love the Lord that much, but you certainly are very religious. So here comes the critics. Well, we were watching with binoculars, Jesus up on the mountain. We, we never saw Moses and Elijah. And so suddenly controversy, controversy. The supernatural will always have controversy surrounding it. It's almost like the situation of Jesus saying, you'll always have the poor with you. Oh, no, Pastor Stephen, we're going to eliminate global poverty. We're going to, um, we're going to get rid of that so everybody has food. You, look, you, you can't. Why? Poverty is not a natural problem. It has a spiritual root based out of the curse, anchored in sin. You cannot fix poverty by throwing money at it. You cannot throw physical, uh, a physical asset at a spiritual problem and think that's going to fix it. Mm. So anytime something is centered around a spiritual type thing, there's controversy and misunderstanding all the time. Praise God. But you can get it right. You can understand the things of God. You can become educated in the walk of the Spirit. And so you can really begin to discern really, really quick. 
Woo, praise God. And you, you can train your spiritual senses to discern between good and evil. Praise God. Praise God. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown prayed over my wife and I. And as he was coming towards me and Kelly with his team of his associate pastor and his assistants, as he came towards me and uh, all I was engulfed with a fragrance that was all over them. And it was the fragrance of ivory soap. They all smelt like the purest, cleanest soap. And my friends, if you could get in the spirit one time, you could begin to understand so quickly how things are, where in the spirit realm, you can't hide it. Now, a politician could say, read my lips. There will be no raise in taxes. And the whole time, he's lying. He's planning on raising the tax. He, he knows he's going to raise the taxes. But politicians, sometimes they say the most crazy things. If you, could, if you had the curtain of the natural pull back and you could see in the spirit realm, smell in the spirit realm, you would instantly see that as a lie. You would instantly see it as a lie. But we have this veil of this natural curtain of the earth world in which we live but if you begin to walk with the Lord, get close to the Lord, I tell you what, uh, you can have some heaven on earth right here, praise God, and it, you will certainly stay on that straight and narrow, which is what we want to do. You know, you stop and think for a moment about, about holy laughter. And of course, Dr. Uh, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown operates in the, that anointing of holy laughter. Uh, Kenneth Hagin, Prophet Kenneth Hagin. Uh, you know, great man of God operated also in the holy laughter. But my friends, you know, somebody says, well, I still don't know. Read church history. I've got books on my shelf of writings from the 1700s of, of holy laughter. Holy laughter has broken out all throughout church history. And I think about one uh, case I was reading that was over a little over 300 years ago happened in a church one time uh, where uh, the preacher was going to preach and uh, one of the men in the church was very upset about many things. That man went to go sit down on the front uh, front bench that was up front in front of all the other benches. And when he went to sit down, he missed the bench somehow and fell on the floor. And the moment he hit the floor, he got struck by the Holy Spirit and began to laugh and laugh and got delivered got delivered of all of his insecurities, jealousies, and things like that. It's all throughout church history. I think about the time Dr. Rodney Howard Brown went to ORU, or Roberts University, and Richard Roberts was running the university, and the university was millions and millions of dollars in debt, and he uh, he wasn't sure, you know, what's going to happen when Dr. Howard Brown comes to minister. He's just consumed with the problem of all this debt. Well, uh, when it came time for the meeting, he went to go sit down in his chair. He missed the chair and fell on the floor. And the moment he hit the floor, it just broke out in uncontrollable laughter. <laughs> why? Well, Pastor Steve, why do we need that? L look, if you're, if you got a hundred million dollar debt, you probably need to laugh or you're going to be next in line for a heart attack. Yes, it's good. Uh, it brings healing. It brings joy. And it causes 
yokes and burdens to come off. Whoa, praise God. Praise God. I mean, we have scriptures in the Bible that it says God laughs at the heathen and their plans to destroy Israel and their plans to destroy the church. God in the heavens laughs. And that in that context is even a mocking laugh against the enemy and what the enemy says. Praise God. Praise God. So while there are miracles and the supernatural is going to continue to increase in the occultic, but also in the authentic of the church, which is going to outweigh uh, anything that the enemy is going to do over here, which always has a, uh, a really weird vibe to it every single time. And it's always kind of chintzy. Well, we're going to keep our eyes on the glory and on the Lord and, you know, when John Wesley would minister, the great man of God, uh, you know, John Wesley was only about five foot three. He was very short. He weighed, they say at the most, he only weighed about 120 pounds. He had continual death threats. He had big people that would charge him. And, uh, but you know what? He, ex he escaped over and over unscathed every single time. He had some heavyweight angels guarding him and protecting him. But John Wesley would go minister and the early history of what we know as, as the Methodist revivals or the, or, or the Wesley revivals, there were miracles taking place all the time. And if you're watching me and you're a Methodist and you don't believe it, go back and check the early history of the Methodist church. There were miracles, movings of the spirit in, in almost every single one of his meetings. And, you know, he would go into big open fields that had vast acreage where you could have these big crowds of 20 uh, plus thousand people, 20,000 people and more. And there would be, you know, some trees and stuff like that. And sometimes people would go up in the trees and he would say, now, before I start to preach, he said, you men that are up in the trees, please come down out of the trees. What happens often in my ministry is that the Holy spirit will begin to move and we've seen a lot of people fall out of the trees because when the spirit touches them, they, you just kind of get, you kind of get kind of loose. Please come down from the trees and many would, but you've always got a few that think, well, I, I won't fall. I won't go down. And he'd start preaching and uh, start uh, uh, sharing about Jesus. And after a while, the Holy spirit would begin to move and everybody up in the trees would of course fall out of the trees. <laughs> what do we do? Do we go over there with cameras and start? No, just, just, what we need to do is what uh, John Wesley said, those things happen, but we just keep preaching the gospel where, and those things are going to happen, miracles, signs, and wonders. And we're not going to get hung up on that. We're going to let it happen. We're going to let it flow, but we're going to keep moving forward with the good news of the Lord Jesus. But even with Wesley, that's why the Methodist church currently has whitewashed almost all of that out of the archived history of the Methodist church. But if you go back to the early original records, the fire was burning hot. That's why even today, the symbol of the Methodist church is the Holy spirit flame. It's the flame. Why? That's how the church, uh, that movement was formed. By the way, I'm preaching in an old Methodist church built back in 1877 the membership was actually established in the year of 1830. Praise God. So I'm a fan of John Wesley in the sense that I respect <laughs> the 
what he went through, uh, uh, especially the fact that he rode on horseback over 250,000 miles preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, my friends, also with verse 9, Jesus said, Tell the vision to, to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And you know, of course, after that, there was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these three, Peter, James, and John, they could absorb with their spiritual capacity what was going to take place that night. Uh, there are some believers in the church, if you try to start going into deeper things, they go tilt real quick. And uh, a lot of times I'm just like, okay, if that's where you want to park and camp, that's fine. I can, I can teach on some other things. Uh, so I'm not going to pull you out of your contented slumber. But if you ever get hungry, you ever want to know more, we can talk about some really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You know, I grew up in the South, of course, and I remember my grandmother one time. This was like in the mid-70s. She said, I just love the classic King James Bible. It is written in such a beautiful, poetic way. I said, well, Grandma, I said, you know, uh, from what I understand, it's not written as poetry. It's actually uh, Hebrew and Greek brought over into English. Well, now, young man. If the King James Bible was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me too. <laughs> okay, Grandma. All right, I'll just let you. I'm not even going to try to explain it. Stay over here. If it, my grandmother told me one time, if what I say could not be backed up or verified in those encyclopedias, and she'd always point to them, in those encyclopedias over there, I'm not going to believe it. And one day I got down and looked at the encyclopedias, world book encyclopedias on the bottom shelf and was shocked when I saw that they were published, printed and purchased in 1922. <laughs> yep. She had them all. She had them that long. Very proud of them too. Had read, had read all of them, had read all of them. One day I told her that man had landed on moon. Of course, that had been the 1969. This was in mid 70. I said, Grandma, you do know that man has been to the moon. If, she said, if you say such a horrendous lie like that in the house again, I'm going to have to take you to the bathroom and wash, wash your mouth out with soap. Uh, okay, okay, Grandma. And I didn't say it, but I'm thinking, okay, Grandma, if you want to, if, if you're happy, this is where you're happy at. You don't really want to know. Let's talk about uh, how to plant vegetables. Oh, and she loved that. Had a, had a garden, organic garden that would have made Whole Foods jealous. But uh, certain areas, some believers, they just don't want to go into. And so Jesus said, don't tell this vision until after I've been raised from the dead. And there's some places you can't even talk with people about visions. And so you, you need to know, you need to know truth and you need to have a hunger for it. And if you really do, God will feed you. And not only will he feed you, he'll feed you with the finest of the wheat. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Now, I'm going to put you back in the time machine, uh, but I'm not going to bring you back up to current date just yet. I'm going to put you back in the time machine and I'm going to transport you to another location where Jesus is going to minister 
and I want you to sit back in the lawn chair, and I want you to watch this one too. No, we can't jump up off the lawn chair and go in there and say, hey, Jesus, I've already wanted to meet you. No, but there is time travel in the spirit, and you can sometimes, only allowed by God, you can sometimes watch. So I want us to look at something. This is in Mark chapter 5. Praise the Lord. I was talking to a, a prophet friend of mine one time. We were sharing uh, visionary experiences. And he said, he said, Brother Stephen, he said, I had this happen one time. He said, I was in prayer. He said, I got so caught up in prayer that the Lord took me in the spirit and took me somewhere. And I was placed in a certain area and I was behind two men. They were sitting on a rock. They were having a conversation. He said, one of the men seemed pretty big, seemed like a pretty big guy. He was older, seemed like a pretty big fella though. And then there was another man next to him, younger than him. And, and not a big uh, of a physical stature as the, as the older man. And he said, I overheard their conversation. I said, well, what were they talking about? And I said, who were they? He said, well, I heard the conversation. The older man said to the younger man, Lot, our, our herdsmen, are, they're, they're getting in quarrels. Strife is going on. He said, look. We, we, need to, we need to separate because we've, we've got too much. He said, so you pick where you want to go, and I'll go in a different direction. But you pick where you want to go. You pick first. And the other person said, Abraham, thank you. And I, so he was taken back in time to watch in the spirit, not to jump out and say, oh, Abraham, I've always wanted to meet you. No, no. You're only allowed to watch. And he saw that conversation, even heard that conversation. And of course, that was when Lot chose very foolishly to move into the plain, the plain area of Sodom and the area of Gomorrah. Didn't turn out too good, did it? Not every open door is of the Lord. He had an open door. But the door was to go into a different direction. He went the wrong direction. And he was based it all upon how it looked. Opulent wealth. There was a lot of wealth in Sodom and Gomorrah because of the tar area. The tar pits. That was a money, that was a money maker for the people that lived there. But oh, the sin. What a mess. What a mess. All right. We're going to Mark chapter 5. Mm. Then they came to the other side of the sea. To the country of the Gadarenes. All right, you just landed. The time machine just dropped you off. You can get back in it later. Just dropped you off. Get comfortable in your lawn chair. You're about to witness. You're about to see the encounter between Jesus and who we call the madman or the demon-possessed guy of Gadara. Okay? And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Now let me show you very quickly, Luke chapter eight, parallel commentary, parallel gospel, Luke eight, verse 27. And when he stepped out of, out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. 
And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. My friends, when you're out in public and you're taking almost all your clothes off, you have to understand what kind of a spirit that is over that area or region that would make people in public just start taking almost all their clothes off. But if we see a person walking around naked and he's naked, no, no underwear or anything like that, you know, this is a person that is under tremendous demonic influence. I've actually seen that in some countries of a person walking completely naked down the street, babbling, babbling with demons, just speaking through them as they walk. Woo. That's rough and totally nude rough. Woo. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Well, he's living in the tombs, not good bound with chained shackles. Verse four, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him. So that's a supernatural demonic strength and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. By the way, cutting yourself is a demonic manifestation. Well, Pastor Stephen, I was just bored, you know, just thought I'd take a knife out and just start slashing. No, 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 that, that's demonic. That's demonic. Something from the realm of hell has in, influenced a person to cut themselves. No normal people do that. And normal people also don't walk around in public naked. Well, all right, Pastor. Well, it's to B-I-B-L-E. If it's to B-I-B-L-E, it's good enough for me. Mm -mm. Let's move on with the story because I know you're sitting in your lawn chair and you're going to want to watch another supernatural experience take place. Praise the Lord. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him and he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you? Jesus, son of the most high God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Okay. So now the demon who's named Legion on the inside of the man is hijacking the man's vocal cords and he's using the man's mouth and vocal cords and tongue to speak through that physical vessel. Okay. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For he said to him, come out of the man unclean spirit. Then he, that would be Jesus, asked him, what is your name? Now, sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you need to know the name of the ruling spirit that's possessing that person and also the number, how many are in there. Jesus asked the name the name actually also gives him the number, so he doesn't need to ask for the number because the name is the number. And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. A Roman legion, based on historical evidence, was anywhere between the number of 5,000 to 6,000 Roman soldiers. Okay? So inside of this one man are somewhere between 5,000 to 6,000 demons. And there's one ruler of darkness that's over all of them. That's primarily speaking, but they're all in there. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. For he said, we are many. 
Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. You know, demons recognize true authority, not loud shouting, although authority can sometimes be certainly be loud, but it's not the volume of your voice and it's not flashing your bishop's badge. That's going to cause a demon to come out. It's who you are in Christ and knowing who you are and you and God having your thing going on. I remember the time that Dr. Uh, R.W. Schambach, uh, the, the evangelist, talked about the time that he was assisting Dr. Allen in one of the tent meetings. And uh, they, would, they would send the demon-possessed people to, the, to another tent to get ministry and to get delivered. And one of the, the demon-possessed demon people, uh, they couldn't get free. And they'd been working on this man, trying to get the demons out of him, and uh, they were not having any success. Well, they, uh, uh, they took the man and put him in the back seat of a car. And Brother Shambot was like, I'm going to deal with this one-on-one, -on -one, get this demon out of this guy. And Brother Shambot sat in the back of that car, he said, for over two hours trying to get the demon out. And, you know, in the name of Jesus, come out, and this and that and the other. And after two hours, no success. And he felt wore out, perspired and tired, and got out of the car and went and got A.A. A. Allen and said, A.A., A., uh, Reverend Allen, we, we can't get the demon out of this guy uh, in, in the car. He goes, okay. He goes, I'll, I'll take care of it. He goes into the car by himself with the man, closes the door, comes out about, about 20 seconds later, and says, he's free. <laughs> and Shambach said, no, 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 no. You're not going to do that to me. You tell me what you did. What did you say to get that guy delivered? He said, I sat down calmly in the back seat, closed the door, looked at the man, and spoke to the demon in the man, and said, I'm A.A. A. Allen, and it's time for you to leave. And that demon came out instantly. Why? He was terrified of the authority of Christ in that man. Mm -hmm. Wow. Praise the Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Something of the spirit of God in the dimension of power is coming upon you right now. Take it in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Woo. Just take it, take it right now into your spirit. Amen. You are not a pushover for any devil. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What is your name? Legion. We are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Are you enjoying the view from your lawn chair? Let's continue. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. Uh, what's up with that? Pastor Stephen, did they uh, have like a, Hog farm, what's going on? Uh, church history is easy to prove. You had a lot of good uh, writers of antiquity, also Josephus and others. But basically, all of these pigs, thousands of them, that's bacon for the Roman army. No, of course, a lot more than bacon. They're going to eat almost every part of the hog. But these are th these are pagans. These these are Romans. And, uh, you know, they worship all kinds of false gods and stuff like that. So uh, these men here in this region are raising these pigs and selling them 
to the Roman army, and that is provision, that is food for the Roman soldiers. So all the demons begged him, begged Jesus, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. Now, let's read verse 12 one more time, very slowly, very carefully. So all the demons begged him. Can I ask you a question? How can 5,000 up to 6,000 demons at one time talk? Now we know the legion is uh, the prime ruler of darkness is using the man's voice to speak. But how is it now that all of them at one time, it says all the demons begged him. How can they all use his vocal cords all at the same time? They can't watch this. If you were sitting there in your lawn chair, watching this whole thing unfold and you're seeing Jesus talk to this man and you're hearing the demon legion speak to the man's vocal cords and talk back to the Lord. But now suddenly all of the demons talk and they beg him basically saying, send us to the swine, send us to the swine that we may enter them. 6,000 voices all at one time. Send us into the pigs. Would you have heard that if you were sitting there? Yes, but only if you were in the spirit and the gift of deserting the spirits was in operation. Why? Jesus is hearing this in the spirit. And if you sat there with normal ears and watched and listened, you would not have heard the demons say that. How can you hear a demon? A demon is a spirit. How can you hear a demon talk? They are, they are in the invisible realm because they're spirit beings. But so how can you hear them? You have to be in the spirit. And he was in the spirit and heard all of them talking at the same time. 6,000 of them. Send us into the swine. Send us into the swine. Praise the Lord. Now, in spirit-filled meetings, when the Spirit of God is really moving, you may not understand everything the minister does. You may not know why he was perhaps a little bit rough with that person, but then maybe real nice to others. Well, he could be a little bit rough because that guy is a thief who has just stolen something and has not repented and is being very stubborn to deal with. There's so many dynamics that are going on. Now, when I'm ministering in the spirit, I'm smelling all kinds of stuff and you, you cannot, you cannot pick that up in the natural. I'm not talking about perfume uh, that somebody might be wearing. And I'm not talking about somebody's deodorant that wore off and uh, they're having a, uh, you know, a rough day, but in the spirit realm, I'm picking up all kinds of things and the Holy Spirit is working with me through the supernatural equipment that he's given me to stand in the ministry office that has put me in the function in that office so I can minister effectively to the people. But if you just sit back in the natural like, why is he doing that? Uh, oh, I wonder why he did that. I wonder, now I wonder why that person's laughing over there. Why is that person crying? I don't get it. It's because the Spirit of God is moving. I was in a meeting one time in northern India, real close to Tibet. Oh, was it ever cold? Oh, it was cold. 
Um, but in one of the meetings, the Holy Spirit fell. It was probably only about eight o'clock at night. He fell in such power in that meeting that my translator fell out. He, I couldn't even preach anymore. He completely fell out, started laughing uncontrollably and just fell out. And the next thing is that two people that were, had been assisting me that were, um, that lived there, uh, in Kalimpong, India, uh, one of them, she began to laugh, uh, excuse me, actually she began to weep. And the other man over here who was also assisting us who lived there in India, he began to laugh. And so there's laughing going on and weeping going on and people on the floor. And then the spirit began to increase the power that was being released in that place. And there were people that were getting delivered with no hands being laid on them. <laughs> oh, that's quite exciting. Now, now watch this. If I were to take let's say my sweet Baptist grandmother into a fire explosion, spirit power, heaven come down meeting like that and take my sweet grandmother with her King James Bible and take her into, you know, take her for out of her Baptist environment and take her into a meeting like that. What, what kind of reaction do you think she's going to have? She's going to think, Oh, Oh, my grandson is a heretic. Oh, Oh, look at this craziness. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Let me go back to where it's safe and calm and everything is dignified and peaceful and dead. <laughs> Did my grandmother love the Lord? Absolutely. They actually called her the spiritual pillar of the, com of the community. But, uh, uh, was God going to move in that church that she went to? Oh, they throw the Holy spirit out in a second. There, there's no way they're going to ever allow anything, uh, where God would begin to move. So you've got to balance this by the word and the spirit, and you have to get into the spirit. That's the problem. That's why we have so many people on YouTube or social media sites that are saying this and this and this, they've never probably even had one authentic experience in the spirit realm ever in their entire Christian life, but they're experts. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them don't even have jobs. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. So the Lord wants you to understand this because with genuine moves of the spirit, you do have to have strong leadership because the devil, he'll try to get that mic. Um, some years back, there's a man that owns one of the local mountaintops here. And that mountaintop is known, not just in Christian circles, it's actually known in all of the New Age circles all over the world. On that mountain, because I used to live on it, on that mountain grows herbs that are very desirous uh, like ginseng grows wild on the mountain. I've got, I've walked around, I've seen ginseng growing and, uh, other, other unique little neat things like that. When I say things are growing, I'm not talking weed or marijuana. No, none of that. I'm talking about natural herbs that are very healthy, very good for the body. Uh, very unique things grow there. So this man that owned the mountain was approached by a very wealthy new age guru. 
He said, if you'll sell this mountain to our society, we will come here and we will build a uh, large um, uh, like temple type structure, uh, kind of like it's a mixture of Hindu and all kinds of mixtures of new age stuff. And we'll build it here. And he said, no, he said, um, we want to keep this for the Lord, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, but he was, uh, th this Christian man was kind of curious about this guy's spirituality. And they started talking about supernatural things and somehow got into the subject of UFOs. Cause I talked, I talked to this guy later. I said, what I said, you asked him about UFOs. He said, yeah. I said, what did he tell you? He said, well, if you want to see a uh, see one and a really big one, he said, come with me, get my vehicle. I can drive you to one right now and I'll, you can actually go on board it. And he's not joking. He's not joking. That's the difference with the occult realm. They are able to enter into that by will, but that is a realm of darkness and deception. And it's a lie by Satan who will extract the ultimate price of the person's soul at the end of their life. My friends, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't even, I don't even have an interest or curiosity into it. But some of that kind of shook him up. Uh, my friend talking to that guy, because I said, yeah, I said, you got to watch these guys. And would you believe it that that, that man who is a witch actually came to my church, sat right back over there uh, on a Sunday morning. I knew exactly who he was. And uh, can you imagine a pastor being so stupid and, and saying, well, we've got a visitor. Why don't you come on up and greet the people? You would have put the microphone into the hand of a devil. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. You have to guard the anointing, guard the pulpit. You have to protect the sheep, protect God's people. Glory to God. Because uh, you, let, you let that loose, you have to do a big cleanup later. So revival, while re a move of the Spirit is awesome, it's also it's a little messy. Why? Because the enemy is going to try to get in there, and there's the genuine, oh, he's going to try to do the fake. He'll try to do it at the same time. And so there's a lot going on, a lot of, a lot of dynamics. So you have to be a person that walks in the spirit. You want to be a spiritual person. Of course, that involves strong prayer life, primarily a life that's really based in the word. But remember also that the word does talk about the miraculous. It talks about the supernatural, but uh, you, you also, I would say this, this is a big help. You want to be influenced by teaching of the prophetic that helps you in this area. And that, that's, the, that's the thing, because when I look at the ministry office of the evangelist, I see something that's so beautiful and to me so intriguing because I'm not an evangelist. I have a friend who's an evangelist. He gets more people saved almost like on accident. <laughs> <laughs> than what many people could do by just trying. Would you like to know Jesus? Uh, here's a track. Please read this, blah, blah. You know, I get people saved in my ministry. There are people that make decisions for Christ, but my ministry is primarily also to those that are already in the church to get built up so they can walk in victory. But I know a friend of mine, he's an evangelist, and it is such an incredible ministry office. But if I were to go to him and want to talk to him about visionary encounters of angels or your know, supernatural trips to heaven. That's not his thing. 
And I know it's not his thing. He knows it's not. So what do you do if you, if, if you don't have access? Then you, you need connections. You need to listen to voices such as myself and others that are trusted that can help you to uh, wrap your understanding around this. Praise the Lord. And that's why God has put us in the church to help believers have a good balance and to be able to get into the spirit doesn't mean that you're a prophet, but to be able to have access into that flow where you can know what's solid and what's pure. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory, glory to God. There are some places that you can go that are very strong in the Lord. I'll give you an example. Years back, many, many years back, there was a ministerial association that my wife and I, we belong to. Really good, totally word-based. When I say word-based, they were big, big, big on the word. Study the word, preach the word, and it was like word, word, word. Uh, but they only had a few people that they would allow ever to prophesy. And outside of that, they, they wouldn't touch prophecy with a 40-foot pole. That, they didn't want anything to do with that. But because Kelly and I, in many ways, were immersed in word of faith, but our training and equipping for ministry was all done through the prophetic. <laughs> That's where God put us. We were, we were thrown into that. Now we had the word, but we were moved and ushered into being raised up in ministry solely completely in the prophetic. Learn how to prophesy, learn how to bring the word of the Lord, learn how to operate word of knowledge, etc. We, we, we were just immersed in that. We went through two years of training uh, prophets in training, ministers in training. The fun, it was funny because the prophets in training was called P-I-T-S, <laughs> pits. Prophets in, uh, I can't remember what the S stood for, but uh, <laughs> in many ways it was the pits. You, uh, very, uh, very great challenges to overcome. God does allow a thinning out process for those that go into full-time ministry. Why? Full-time ministry is very challenging. I had a prophet tell me many years back, he said, Stephen, if you're going to make it in full-time ministry, you have to have skin like an elephant, and you have to have a heart like a lamb. And I'll tell you, looking back, that was almost 30 years ago when he said that, he was 100% right. Praise the Lord. So, my friends, it's, it's those that, that are in the prophetic that can help you in these areas of discernment, of discernment. Anytime I have a, a visionary encounter... There are a few people that I will take it to and bounce it off of. They're prophets, and they have been in the ministry for, you know, 30 years and up, and, you know, they're, they're older than I am, and I can always gain insight from their feedback, where they actually open it up more. They actually open my understanding up more to me what happened. I remember one time I had an encounter where God took me to heaven. He, I was in my room praying, on my knees praying. I fell into a trance, and the next, I mean, I could feel myself getting sucked up, my spirit and my soul, and the, my body was back in the room. But I uh, was taken to heaven and uh, shown some things in heaven, and I had an encounter actually in the throne room area of God. And when I told this one prophet about it, he said, oh, he said, while that happened, you were receiving this, this impartation. I said, oh, I said, I can't believe I couldn't see that. I said, I can't believe I didn't see that. But he, 
just like unveiled that to me with one statement. And, uh, but my friends, these things will help you. Praise God. You want to have a prophetic edge. And anytime you have trusted and true ministers that have been at it for 20, 30, 40 years, there's a reason why they're still there. Praise God. So walk with the Lord. And when I say be a spiritual person, that doesn't mean walk around like, oh, oh, the glory. No, that just means you're solid and your walk with God. You're praying, you're in the word, you're seeking, and you're, you're coming into that walk of the spirit. Mm, mm, mm. I've been in meetings where people have been so drunk, they fall out. The one, the one meeting in India was God moved so strong. People couldn't get off the floor till, oh, I heard, I heard, I heard shouts going up even through three 30 in the morning. I'm back at my hotel in a different location. I could still hear the mighty work that was going on in that conference center while I was trying to sleep at three 30 in the morning. God was still moving. Young people were getting delivered screams as demons were coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and we do live in an era where quite a few people, even in the church, have some real demon problems. Praise the Lord. There is deliverance. You can be free. Glory to God. Well, Pastor Steve and I, there might be some criticism. Who cares? You know what? Not everybody's going to get it. And you know what? Also, it's okay. If that's where they're happy at, stay there. I'm not into that, Pastor Stephen. God bless you. This is obviously not for you. That's okay. We're doing just fine, by the way, without you. It's okay. <laughs> uh, go find a place where you're happy and that fits you. But you're not welcome here either to come in and try to hijack and stand up and voice your opinion and take over. No, we don't allow that. You, you need to go somewhere where you're happy and uh, where you are in a place uh, where you, wherever that is. Praise God. But I know too much. I've had too many encounters with the Lord. I know too much to act like the genuine is not genuine when it is. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Praise God. Please lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for everybody watching, listening right now. I pray that the gift of discerning of spirits would begin to operate them when they need it when they need it so that you can help them to know whether it's something is of you or not. Now, father, we thank you that we have your word as a pattern, as a foundation, but father, some things can be a little bit. It's like, maybe we don't know. We're trying to figure out, are we looking at a unicorn or what are we seeing here? So I pray for your people that, Discerning the spirits would manifest and they can know they can see it for what it is or smell it for what it is or taste it in the spirit for what it is. We thank you, Father. We give you all of the praise. You're moving right now. You're moving right now. You're setting, you're setting some free. There are some that are watching right now and God is showing you something that you experienced and that it was false. It had a satanic origin and you're being, you're actually relieved. You know, that voice was not of God. That instruction was not of God. It was a familiar spirit. It was something besides a holy angel. It was not of God. Praise God. 
And so you're, you're relieved because you realize, oh, now I'm not obligated to that. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that while we have your word and we lean on your word, we actually need your Holy Spirit to give us the interpretation or else we get real dry and we can miss the beautiful things of your spirit. Father, I pray for every person now watching and listening to me that they will never attribute what is holy and of you as being a work of the devil, that they would never be so immature or misled that they would attribute something that is holy and sacred as being evil and of the devil. Father, I thank you that that is a grace that they will have by your, by faith. Now receive that deserting of spirits to help you when you need it. Father, we thank you in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. And amen. You just can't hide things in the spirit in life. It's normal that everybody puts their best, their best foot forward. But so often people are not who they present themselves to be. Praise God. But the Holy Spirit, you cannot fool the Holy Spirit. And when he's walking with you and in you, I'll tell you, he'll show you some amazing, amazing things. Woo! He'll tell you some things. I've had the Holy Spirit tell me some things that were just shocking, shocking truth when I had been lied to or misled and the Holy Spirit revealed it for the lie. Just absolutely amazing. Woo. I tell you what he is to us who Jesus was to the 12. Jesus was with the 12 almost all the time. And they, they leaned into that, but Jesus is now in heaven. So the Holy Spirit is now with us 24 seven. And I'll tell you what, he'll help you when you need it. Praise God. Let me grab a drink of tea. Thank you for staying with me so long today. And if you're watching today, but you don't know Jesus, let's get that fixed right now so that you can go to heaven. Okay. And if you used to serve the Lord, but you listened to a wrong voice and you went away and you know, that didn't turn out good because it never does. When you go into the enemy's camp, you know what? Come on back right now. Let Jesus make everything right. Okay. So let us pray together. Just say this, say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Wash me clean with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, step into my life today and lead me and guide me in all that I do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Those of you that have come back to the Lord, just say, Jesus, thank you for restoring me. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Tears of joy are flowing. Praise be to the Lord. God is good. God is good. You know, it's a good time for us to take holy communion right now. You know, many of the things that I have learned uh, from my walk in the spirit, you know, I've had my own encounters with the Lord, but I did have good mentors. 
I had men before me. Some of them are now in heaven, but they knew how to get in the spirit. They were the real deal. They operated in real uh, hospital verified miracles, uh, you know, where doctors have no explanation for what has now happened. That has been my inheritance. Praise God. And I know that God is going to keep you on the straight and narrow. Woo. Praise the Lord all the way to heaven. Now let's take some grape juice and some unleavened bread and let's, let's pray over it. By the way, I never use wine because there are those that have been delivered from alcoholism. And if they were ever just to taste alcohol again, it, it, it creates a trigger type reaction. We never want to do that. Once the house has been cleansed, we certainly don't want any uh, bad inhabitants trying to get back in. Okay. I always use grape juice and unleavened bread. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice through this prayer. We now set this apart as being holy. This is now the body and the blood of Jesus. And father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you for strength. We thank you for truth. We, we want truth. Thank you, father. If others want to live in a world of rose colored glasses, because that's where they're happy at. Even if it's a half lie, father, that's what they're choosing, but we want truth. And as we receive the Lord's flesh, we receive truth. Even if we have to be corrected, even if we have to perhaps readjust doctrine because the doctrine was wrong. Father, we want truth and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his body in his name. We pray let's receive now. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Glory. You know, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain. They had the spiritual capacity to deal with, with what they were about to walk into. But in conversations, sometimes the jump is just too great for people. In cases like that, you can still minister to them but you minister on a more common type level. But when you get around those that are ready to run and trust me, there's plenty of them in the body of Christ running with the Lord, wanting everything, wanting to be on the front. Oh yeah. You, you can open up and bring out the, you can bring out the really good stuff. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I, I really do believe that's the audience that God has given me. And I'm very, very grateful for you. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. As we receive it now, we thank you for the gifts of your Spirit, illuminating us also in our understanding and of your ways. We also acknowledge, Father, that we're continually learning, and none of us outside of Jesus have arrived in the fullness yet. But, oh God, we do thank you for keeping us on the straight path. We thank you for illuminating the walk before us. And we thank you for lives that please you. Thank you again, father, for the blood of Jesus. 
Thank you for your grace for us to live out the fullness of our days, bringing you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive together. Woo, praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Praise God. The moment you go into legalism, you lose your joy, which would tell you that there's something wrong about that. There is. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Amen. You know, in my life personally, the Lord through, through supernatural divine mandate and calling has called me into an area where I do fast, but you know what? I've never done one fast or I've never gone into one fast where it's like a burden where I feel like I've got to do this to please God. No, I'll always go into it. Actually excited to draw near to the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. Just receive the fresh in feeling of the spirit today. Be filled up right now in the name of Jesus. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit before, just open your mouth right now and Jesus will fill you with the Spirit and you can begin to speak out. Just begin to speak out right now in what the Bible calls the language of tongues. Let it come up. Let it come out because Jesus is filling you right now with the Spirit. Just begin to speak in the Spirit. Let it come out. Open your mouth. The Holy Spirit will give you the utterance. Yeshoka bada soka bada dia. Ye kai karo soda bada dia. Ye shikoro bada dia. Just pray in the spirit and speak in the spirit and have a good time with the Lord. My friends, have a great week. Thank you for watching. I'll see you back again real soon. Bye bye.